Uh, you know, one of the things that Jim had asked him and I to talk about a little bit was when we came in here the first time, we talked a little bit about our, about our biographies and the freshman class, but he wanted us to give a little bit of an update on the last year. And looking back on the last year, year and a half, what the freshman class has learned, some of the things that we've um, adjusted to, some of the things that we've recognized as we've served in Congress. Because we did come in with a historical class, came in as 87 new Republicans uh, out of 96 new members, added a couple more Republicans in special elections. And so a very large group that came in here and ran with a mandate to come to Washington, D.C. and save this country. Uh, when we got out here, we realized uh, that that's very difficult. Uh, we knew that, uh, that it was going to be a challenge, but also uh, came here with a mandate that we want to follow through on and, and be held accountable by the American people. So the adjustment for a freshman coming in, obviously, first of all, is going to be your family, getting used to the change, traveling back and forth. I think all of the families have done very well uh, with that. A lot of the freshmen have given us uh, good feedback with trying to balance their businesses, their children, their families as well. But then coming in with a discussion on uh, cutting spending. So much in the last couple of Congresses, we've heard about how much more money can we spend. And I think that's the one area that we've been especially effective on, is, is in, uh, even though we haven't seen the process work the way that we would like to or as quickly as we would like it to, the conversation has definitely shifted in Washington, D.C. Instead of talking about how much more can we constantly spend or how much more of the hardworking taxpayer money uh, can we go out there and, and attribute to different programs, we this year in the last uh, 18 months have really changed that conversation and dynamic to more of a situation where we're talking about where can we tighten our belt? Uh, where can we draw in and be much more responsible with people's money and stop spending money that we don't have, money that our children are going to be responsible for? One of the things that I say to South Dakotans back home all the time is that I feel as though our fiscal situation we face in this country is not just a, a fiscal issue. It's a moral issue. It truly is, for me, intergenerational theft, what we're doing. is We're spending dollars that our kids and our grandkids are going to be responsible for. Now, I served in the state legislature, and so did Tim. And so the process and how that works in our states and how it works out here has been an adjustment for many of the new members as well. Uh, for me in South Dakota, every time someone proposes a bill, it gets a hearing. That doesn't happen in Washington, D.C. You can propose a bill that you think is a great idea, but it may never see the light of day. Uh, for us as well, if you, one house will pass a bill, uh, the other body has to take a look at it. They have to have a hearing on it and deal with it because it cleared the other house. That doesn't happen out here either as well. And I think that's one of the reasons that we have a stagnation of policy is because we have two bodies that can completely ignore each other. And that has one, been one of the frustrating things that we've seen. When I go home, um, I, I tell everybody uh, as well to recognize that Democrats still run Washington, D.C., and that's why it's not fixed yet. We recognize that we're one half of one third of government, uh, Republicans are, and while we're changing the conversation and having those tough conversations, uh, we haven't been able to make as much progress as we feel is necessary but that we still do have Democrats that are running Washington, D.C., and, and that is why we have a long ways to go yet. And that's why we have to keep talking about our conservative values. We have to keep talking about uh, the situation that our country is facing and the need to tighten in our belt and change our ways. Uh, and that uh, really resonates at home. Probably one of the most frustrating things as a country that we've seen is, is on our messaging, getting our messaging out there. And it's something that we as a freshman class, we meet regularly, and talk and have conversations, 
about that, and that is make you know the things that we're discussing in, in rooms up here in Washington D.C. Going home and talking to our people doesn't necessarily hit the national soundstage, and it's not because of the great work that the conference does or that Jeb Hensarling does. They do an excellent job pulling together messaging points for all of us to go out there to talk about what's important. The thing is, is we just don't have a bully pulpit like the president does. Uh, we, as members of Congress. Uh, need to have uh, don't just don't have the opportunities to speak as often and and as loudly as the president does, and that's why we have to be that much more engaged. And so that has been a, a conflicting thing and a difficult thing for the freshman class to really recognize how we can change the direction that that is going. So we've had some challenges, uh, but we also recognize the fact that we have had an impact in Washington, that we have been able to come up here and uh, change the discussion that we followed through on, on a lot of the things that we've talked about in the last campaign, but we recognize that we've still got a battle in front of us, that our, the job has only begun. And that's the wonderful thing about our process. Uh, Tim and I were talking a little bit last night when we were voting late about what we, what we could discuss today and some of the things. We both serve as liaisons to the leadership team. So every week when Speaker Boehner and Leader Cantor and and McCarthy and, and the entire leadership teams in the room, we, are, we have the opportunity to sit at that table and tell them uh, what the freshman class thinks or where we're at, uh, some of the ideas that we may have, which is a great opportunity for us. Uh, but we also recognize um, that, that that is an opportunity for us to truly bend the year of leadership on what we think is important. And we're, as we were discussing all of that, we were talking about our constitutional process, the fact that it was designed um, to take a long time to make some major changes. They're designed for a purpose to give some accountability and checks and balances. And I think the one thing we should leave here today with is the idea and the knowledge that the freshman class and the Republican majority in the House has brought a check and balance that we didn't have before. We didn't have a new uh, major overhaul of government takeover of a system like the health care bill was. We didn't have a bill that, of cap and trade that came through this year. We, we've been able to stop a lot of that, bring some accountability into the system, and draw some light into some oversight that was definitely needed. So I think that's a victory we can talk about, but we certainly can't pause uh, to celebrate it. We need to keep working towards all of the goals that we have because we've got a long ways to go. So I'll go with that. I'll let Tim uh, give you a quick overview. We've, had a, we've learned a lot since we've been freshmen. We've really learned a lot. One of the most important lessons that I've learned is that the longer and the harder you beat your head against the wall, the more your head hurts. <laughs> Sometimes that's talking to leadership, and other times it's talking to folks back at home, answering the question, what are y'all doing up there? Nothing seems to change. And as Chrissy talked about, when you only have one out of the three levers of government, not much is going to change. But you can stop more bad things from happening. And that's really, if you want to put in a frame, the success of our class. Stopping more bad things from happening. But it certainly is not going to result in reversing the bad things that have already occurred. So creating that reality back at home is a part of the challenge that we have as a freshman class. The fact of the matter is that the president's microphone is huge. Our microphone is invisible. But if we go back home to 242 districts as members of Congress, as of members of the Republican Conference, and have the same theme week in and week out, we start affecting change in the only place where we as members of Congress can't. That's at home. And until we win back the Senate, 
February to take over the White House, we'll find ourselves in a minority position, which basically means we'll continue to be the firewall on behalf of the American people. The great challenge is that when we take our, our diverse skill sets and our approach to issues and we meld them together, we typically find golden opportunities that have been woven together by the construct of a third of the conference being absolutely new to Washington. That can be a good thing, even though it's oftentimes a painful thing. So the question is to make sure that we continue to move in the direction that allows not for us to succeed as individuals, but for America to succeed, and as a default or an un or a intended consequence, that we do well at home. And so one of the things I found that's been successful as a freshman is if you will champion a cause, you can get air. You can't do everything, but you can get permission, so to speak, to do something. And one of the things that we have tried to do, because I'm an entrepreneur for the last 15 years and haven't quite lost that concept, which I thank God I still have the entrepreneur's perspective and passion and drive to make things better. Uh, continuous improvement is something I think and dream about all the time. And so for me, marketing is very important. I won't say that we as Republicans do it well because we don't. I mean, frankly, we are getting better at it. Jeb is doing a fantastic job comparatively speaking. But we still have a very long way to go. One of the things I've always thought is that we have so many issues that come you know, back to back to back, so we don't find ourselves with a lot of time to invest in any one issue. To me, it seems like the two largest issues coming our way, they all occurred during the lame duck session. And so what we've decided to do in my office is to take on a part of the challenge of marketing tax reform and regulatory reform before we get to the lame duck session. So on May the 31st, we're having a conference. I think Christie's going to be a part of it. Corey Jordan is a part of it. Eric Cantor speaking at it. Dave Camp is coming over. Steve Forbes is going to speak at lunch. We have Carly Farina coming in and talking about it from HP. We have David Cote from Honeywell. We have the founder of Priceline, Jay Walker, coming in talking about TEDMED and innovation, the innovation economy. So we have uh, just a Domino's pizza, no free pizza. They said that was an ethics violation by trying anyways. <laughs> so I have to pay for it. Only the ingredients, I hope. But he'll be there as well back to go. We're talking about the, the need for common sense and regulations, these labeling boards and the impact that it's having and how that translates into the economy. So we're having a really strong group of speakers from Christy Nome to Dave Camp to Carly Farina all the way to Jay Walker. And our hope is that we start a dialogue that will go on for the next five months as we enter into the lame duck session that we can engage the folks, the professionals here in Washington and some from home to focus our attention on what could be a $5 trillion lame duck session. Now, when you think about the $2 trillion of taxes that expire on December 31st, we throw in the one or one and a half trillion dollars for the debt ceiling increase that will be finagled into the lame duck session. You think about the Obamacare's half a trillion dollars that starts on January the 13th or January the 20th, 2013. You think about military sequestration, $500 billion. And we're going to look for replacements for that. You think about the dock fix and the payroll tax, $130 billion. 
then you just stop thinking because then there's no there's no voters to hold you accountable for that lame duck session. So what we think and what we do before we get there might matter this year in a way that it hasn't in previous years. You know, most of the freshmen were sent here by an electorate that is, well, I think, fed up is probably not too, too strong a language, but at least highly frustrated. And they wanted change, uh, uh, and they want it now. How are you finding, since you've been here a while, found, face the realities of what it takes to change things in Washington? How is how are you communicating with your electorate, and how are they feeling about the pace of, of change? I think there is an educational curve that has to happen back at home. I mean, the fact is, when you win, everybody thinks that means you have all the power. And so, the first thing you do is you sell immediately after winning that you still have not enough of the power. So, what I've always talked about is the freshman class was sent to Washington to be a firewall so that more bad things would not happen. We were not set there with any, or empowered, to start making good things happening. That means taking back the White House or Senate, at least one of the two. And I'm selling my folks on staying engaged in the race and talking about what we said on the campaign trail, what we sponsored, and then talking about the fact that the Senate is, in fact, the reason why for the last thousand plus days we haven't had a budget, the 30 plus economic development bills that are sitting over there haven't got a hearing. It's because the Senate is a part of the problem, so we need to be engaged long enough to make sure that we finally have the opportunity to be responsible because we've been empowered by the voters to control government, and we don't have that yet. You know, frankly, that's one of the things that the freshman class struggles with the most, because they ran as, as a changing Washington, you know, running against the beast, trying to come out here and fix the process, and now they're being labeled as insiders, you know, people that are part of what's wrong in Washington. And so I think they're struggling with that because they don't feel like insiders. You know, they still feel like the businessmen and women and family people that they always have been. So that's been a message that they've been trying to carry home. My, my advice to every freshman that's struggling with that has been that we don't have a job to just go home and make everybody happy. We have a job to go home and educate people and to really people that are spreading misinformation and, and twisting what, what really has happened out here. We need to go home and, and educate them and tell them the truth on what's broken out here and what the problem is so that people recognize the fact the, why we haven't gotten there and where we still need to go. So that has been a very frustrating thing for a lot of our new members because they're getting grouped into this lump of people that have broken this place. This place has been broken a long time. And it's going to take us more than overnight to fix it. And, uh, and it's still our goal. But we have to go home and be willing to get in front of a bunch of people and tell them why and not, not be placating about it. We need to make sure that we're willing to have those tough conversations, which isn't always the funnest thing to do, but it's our job. Honestly, I feel as though every single issue just needs a woman's perspective. And that's where Republicans necessarily haven't always approached every issue that way. And so we have to go overboard uh, with making sure that perspective is told. We've got a lot of different women's issues and, that are specific to women and issues that are specific to men. But every single issue that we deal with, we need to be much more diligent about giving the women's perspective on that so that they know that, uh, that we are focused on them and their success. And for, and for them, so many of the women in this country recognize 
uh, that if they appreciate people who will give them straight up answers, who will give them, let them make the decisions for themselves. So many times in the past, women haven't haven't had opportunities to make decisions that are best for their family, for their careers, for their lives. And uh, that's what the Republican Party brings to the table, is we wholeheartedly trust you to make decisions for your lives. And that's the message that we have to carry forward. So I, I do believe that as we focus more on it, uh, that we will get that message out and, and it'll do us much good in this next election.